it's really quite amazing um, that the Lord led. Where are you, Jackie? Where are you sitting? Right in front of me. It's really quite amazing that the Lord led you, Jackie, to give that testimony today. And um, Pastor Gina, for you to follow up with those words. Um, I feel like he has a message he, he must really want us to hear. You just preached about half my message. Uh, but we're going to hear it again. And it's going to be rooted in the cross and in what Jesus did. And I think the reason the Lord wants each of us to hear it really clearly is because it's not just for us, it's through us, for others. And he wants us to be equipped. Um, Pastor Gina just prayed for the preaching of the word. I'd like us to do something a little different before I uh, introduce the message and read the word. I'd like us to stand and sing together a cappella, He is Lord. Would you join me in singing? Jesus, you are Lord, and we do exalt you again in this place as the one who has come from heaven to earth, who has delivered us, who has died, who's risen, who has ascended and who's seated on a throne in heaven from where you rule over all things. And the scripture says you must rule until all your enemies are made a footstool for your feet. Jesus, we declare your lordship in this place. And over ourselves. And we bind the work and the voice of any unclean spirit from interfering in any way with the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, and the work that you desire to do through your word. Come Holy Spirit and minister through the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, last week we began a new series about the restoration that Jesus brings. And we heard Jesus' clear commission, preach, which means tell, proclaim, share the gospel, speak the good news. Which is why it was so exciting to hear Jacob, immediate fruit of you sharing the good news. Dane, of you getting to share and to pray. So encouraging. But as I gave Jesus commission, or he gave it through me last week, we didn't press very deeply into what we're we're to share. We didn't um, talk about how our sharing is to be partnered with power or ability to lead people into the restoration that Jesus brings. And so this week we're going to talk about both of those. We're going to look at the heart of the gospel, Jesus' death and his resurrection. I'm going to read two things for us. I'm going to preach from Colossians about what Jesus accomplished at the cross. But I'd like to read an account of his suffering on the cross, not because I'm going to preach from that, but just because I want to honor Jesus. 
It's, it's the time of year where we remember his suffering. Okay, so I'm going to preach on what he, what he accomplished, but I want us also to remember and just to honor him. So if you'd begin uh, by turning with me to Mark chapter 15. I'm going to begin at verse 21 and read through 41. This is after Peter has been arrested. He has been accused, tried, betrayed, mocked, and beaten. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, I'm sorry, I'm going to start at 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace that is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and pressed it on him. And they began to call out, Hail! King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So! You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me?
he did not think himself forsaken. When a Jew references an Old Testament scripture, it's meant to evoke the entire thing. He's quoting Psalm 22.1. If you go there, the second half speaks of his resurrection and what is accomplished through him. It's important that you know he did not think himself abandoned. When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. It's hard for me to keep reading um, just after reading that. When I I read that, I just want to worship the Lord uh, and tell Him again how much we love Him. That He's God. He's God. And He allows Himself to be subjected to that at the hands of us sinful humans because of His love and His desire to redeem and to restore. He's so good. He is so good. And I just pray that His goodness wash over every one of us afresh this morning. Reading from Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read um, verses 13 to 15. When you were dead... In your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. One more time. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus brings freedom and Jesus brings deliverance. That's 
That's my message this morning. Jesus brings freedom and Jesus brings deliverance through the cross. Over the last uh, dozen, dozen and a bit years, I have had the immense privilege of getting to watch and participate with Jesus as he brings these things to people over and over and over again. It's the sweetest thing to be right alongside somebody who's experiencing Jesus coming to them by the Spirit, through a person, bringing forgiveness, bringing deliverance. And I could tell many, many stories of that joy, but I've got one I want to start with this morning that kind of highlights for me both of them. So I've shared this in other contexts. I, I can't remember if I shared it in a message, but I had a, a gentleman approach me and say, I, I'd like to talk to you about an area of sin I'm struggling with. The Lord's convicted me and I, I want to confess it. So I was glad to. I invited him in and I spent a while just listening to him. And I said, OK, you've shared with me. Why don't you? confess that to Jesus in my presence. And so he did. He just began to confess his sin to the Lord. And I listened to him. I maybe asked a couple of questions to help draw it out, but mostly prayed for him as he prayed. And and when I had a sense that he confessed what he needed to confess to the Lord, I just began to speak the cleansing that Jesus' blood brings. I began to speak words of forgiveness and of absolution to him. And I, I watched his whole countenance change. I watched his shoulders lighten. Like I watched weight lift off of him. I, I watched shame melt off of his face. His body changed as he received the forgiveness of the Lord. And then I said to him, you know, sometimes when we sin against the Lord, that sin, it is an, a road or it's an open door or a foothold for evil spirits to oppress us. And so I'm going to pray for your deliverance from any evil spirits that may have been given a foothold through the sins that you've just confessed. Now, I hadn't seen any. I hadn't seen any manifestations but I had a pastoral concern. I, I didn't want him to continue to be tormented. So I just explained that to him. And, and he said, thank you. And he kind of bent, like, bent back over the table in a posture of prayer. And I very simply said, in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, I speak to any unclean spirits that have been given ground in so-and-so's life through these sins which have just been confessed and covered over by the blood of Jesus to depart now. Just that simple. And as soon as I said now, he bent over, he goes like this, just kind of like a sheet in the wind. And he goes, what's that? What was that? I said, well, that was an evil spirit that had been given ground through your sins and it just left. And he said, I felt it. Like I, I said, yeah, I saw it. You know, he goes, yeah, I felt it. Like I feel lighter, like something left me. Now, friends, if I had... If I had only listened to his confession and assured him of forgiveness, he would certainly have experienced Christ's love and forgiveness, but he would also have left without experiencing Jesus' deliverance from evil. And who knows how that spirit may have influenced him moving forward. 
it may have continued bringing thoughts to him in such a way as to make him think that he was still experiencing a strong attraction toward the sin he just confessed. And then he wouldn't think he was free at all. And then a battle for his mind would continue and he'd be tormented, right? How sad, how sad would that have been? Jesus died to bring forgiveness from sins and Jesus died to set us free from oppression by the devil. Both. So in mercy and in love, Jesus cleanses us and in dynamic power, Jesus liberates us from evil. Think about this. Think about the picture of how God rescues Israel from Egypt. God doesn't just pass over or save the families of Israel through the blood of the Lamb, though He does that. Right? There's a cleansing that comes from being underneath the blood so that they are not under judgment, but they're under grace. They get passed over. But He doesn't just pass over them in terms of judgment and then leave them underneath this wicked oppressor who's slave driving them. No, he moves in dynamic power to get them up and out. And both of these point to his work in Jesus Christ. Jesus brings cleansing. He brings the forgiveness of sins. He brings newness. And Jesus brings deliverance from bondage to evil and to evil spirits. And both of these, friends are foundational to the gospel that we're called of the kingdom of a king and his kingdom that we're called to proclaim. We're also called to embody, right? We embody the love of Jesus that invites into reconciliation. We embody the power of Jesus to set people free. Both of these are what Paul is describing as the effects of the cross in Colossians 2. He, listen to this, He forgave us all our sins. He canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. What's Paul talking about here? God has righteous requirements for how every human being on this planet is designed and called to live. Do not lie. Do not steal. Don't covet. Don't lust. Honor your parents. Worship and serve God alone. And more. Right? And all these righteous laws the written code the old testament as it became paul says they actually stand opposed to us because we break them he says they oppose us these laws actually become like a lawyer in a courtroom that points the finger at us and says you have wandered from god's pure path in your thoughts in your words in your deeds, the laws, they look at us and they say, you're not holy, you're not pure, you've rebelled, you've defiled yourself in all these ways. That's what the laws do, the written code. Paul says it stands, 
It's opposed to us. And so it kind of becomes like a mirror that exposes us, but it becomes like a lawyer that's criticizing us. The whole temple, the whole sacrificial system, it does the same thing. It says, you can't enter this most holy place. If you do, you'll die until Jesus enters in and Jesus brings righteousness and the curtain is torn. Tim Keller says, in the gospel, we learn that we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. And we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope for. He forgave us all our sins. He canceled, he canceled the written code. So this thing that stands against us, that criticizes us, that's like a lawyer that we can't answer to, Paul says, Yup, guilty as charged, but he he took the guilty charge, he took the lawyer, he took the thing that was criticizing us, and that thing that we couldn't do, that righteousness we couldn't keep, he took it and he nailed it to the cross with Jesus. He canceled the written code. It's not over you criticizing you anymore. It's gone. These laws that were against us, they don't accuse anymore. We're not under law, says Paul. Now we are under grace. Grace is our reality because we're in Messiah. We're in Christ. We're in the one who was nailed to the tree and who bore our sins in his body. We're not under that. God gave us a righteousness that we couldn't produce. He gave us a righteousness that is foreign to us. He made us alive when we were dead. And we're now clean. We're clean because He forgave. He atoned. He washed. He made pure. Judgment has passed us over. But that's not all, says Paul. Paul says, he carries on and he says, he also disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what's he talking about here? Who are these powers and authorities? And what does he mean about Jesus disarming them? These words for powers and authorities are the very same words that Paul uses in Ephesians 6 when he tells us to take our stand against the devil's schemes and reminds us that we're in a battle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what does Paul mean that these spiritual forces of evil, these demonic powers and authorities, have been disarmed. Well, the law of God, the written code, was not the only thing that stood opposed to us. It wasn't the only thing that was accusing us. Satan is called the accuser. Demonic spirits bring accusation against us. So before we're forgiven, before our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus, Demons are armed with the legal right to bring a case against us. And through that case, 
to harass or afflict us. So it works like this. They can read our files. They can read. They can pull open the drawer that says Dave Westra. They can see. They know everything I've ever done. They've studied me and know me better than I know myself. They can read my file. They can read your file and they can legitimately say, they can bring a case before God. They can legitimately say, this one has bitterness and unforgiveness. This one has been cheating. This one lusts. This one was disobeying God. This one has embraced fear of man. This one gossips and smears others. This one loves themselves more than they love God. This one has dabbled in the occult or in this non-Christian experience. This one's been having sex outside marriage. This one's been watching movies that glorify horror. This one's been regularly twisting the truth. Lists of sins. But also lists of lies that we've come to embrace. Maybe through pain in our lives. This one has embraced lies about their identity. This one has come into agreement with deceit, with something that's not true. This one, she's sure she's dirty. This one believes he's unlovable. This one has given up hope for change. These ones have come into agreement with us, with deceit, with untruth, and on and on and on the list could go. Demons were or are armed with truth about our sins and our false beliefs. And they can use that knowledge of our disobedience to not only accuse accurately, but also to oppress and to harass and to afflict us. And it's what enables them to torment minds. It's what enables them to bruise emotions. And it's what enables them to afflict bodies. Right? Think about their work against the whole person. Think about the gospel where Jesus goes into the synagogue and this woman is bent over. And what does Jesus do? He discerns that the root cause isn't scoliosis. It's an unclean spirit. He doesn't say how it got there. Could have been bitterness, unforgiveness, could have been all kinds of things. But he drives out the spirit that had illegal access to be there. Okay? Evil spirits are real and they are armed by human disobedience and human agreement with them. And these things arm their work or for, for their diabolical work. And Paul says, Jesus disarms them. Jesus removes their weapons. In other words, he takes away their firepower. He takes away their legal ability to accuse us anymore. So he not only took, you got to think about this from two angles. There's two parties that are accusing us, right? And they're both right. The law is accusing us and evil spirits are accusing us. They're saying, hey, This one didn't keep the law. They rebelled against you, God. Therefore, right? And the law is saying, hey, God, this one didn't obey. So Jesus had 
our sins nailed to him on the cross. He took the entire record, but he also, in doing that, he took everything that the devil could use to accuse me, to harass me, to afflict me. That, too, was nailed to the cross with him. In other words, Jesus' death delivers us from judgment by God, right? We're passed over. We receive mercy where we deserve judgment. Delivers us from judgment, but also delivers us from bondage, from evil, okay? This is the gospel. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. King, King Jesus came into a world that is suffocating, still is, under the very real dominion of sin and of Satan. And Jesus brought, we couldn't do anything about it, right? We couldn't, set our, we couldn't give ourselves righteousness that we needed to give God, and we couldn't free ourselves from demonic oppression. And Jesus comes in, a lamb that offers himself, but also a king who's triumphing over evil through that sacrifice and giving a restored, creating a restored humanity, giving new hearts, new life, freedom, deliverance, and empowering his body to do the same thing. This is why the kingdom, we said last week, brings restoration, brings reconciliation, brings freedom, brings healing. And this is why Jesus said, proclaim or tell the good news of the kingdom and those who believe will cast out demons in my name. They will place their hands on sick people and they will be, they will be healed. As Christians... We're not simply to announce what Jesus has done. We're to lead those who respond in faith into the experience of Jesus' restoration. So think about like tell and show, show and tell. Okay. So I tell you what he's done and then I lead you into it. So if I tell you about Jesus' reconciling work and how there's a kingdom that's open to you, then I've got to open the door and say, do you want to come in? Do you want to come into this kingdom? Do you want to join the family of God? Do you want to experience the love that God has for you? I've got, got to tell and I've got to open the door for, and invite people in. On the flip side, I've also got to tell people about the freedom that Jesus brings from demonic affliction and to minister that freedom by casting out spirits this is the ministry of the church jesus ministered to the whole person and we're to minister to the whole person jesus cared for people's spirits souls and bodies we're to do the same and in order to do this we need to be very clear about what Jesus accomplished through the cross so that we can easily, just very easily, in our own words, talk about it to others. So I think every one of us needs to be, equ- to be equipped to say something as simple as, you know, 
I think you modeled this earlier, Jacob. You know, every one of us has wandered away from God. Every one of us has disobeyed God. And that disobedience brings many painful consequences. It brings separation from God. It brings judgment for our sins. And sometimes it brings oppression by evil and evil spirits. It's real. But God loves you and I so much that he's given Jesus Christ in order to cleanse us from sin and deliver us or set us free from demonic oppression. God wants to totally restore us. Would you like me to pray with you now for that restoration to begin? That's simple, okay? That's what we're telling people. This is what's wrong. This is the effect. Relationship's broken. We're under, you know, we've, we've, we're, we're separated. We came under judgment. And we're under evil. We're under the influence of evil. Jesus restores us, cleanses us, sets us free. Okay? Last week we talked about Jesus' prayer in Luke 10 where he asks that he tells the disciples to pray that God the Father would send, or we said the word was ekbalo, that he would eject, that he would cast or thrust forth laborers into the harvest field to bring people back to God. I, as I watch what the Holy Spirit is doing, um, not just in us, but in the broader church and in the world right now, I'm really convinced that we're experiencing a changing of the seasons where the um, where Jesus is, for all who will listen, for all who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Jesus is thrusting his bride out into the world, into the marketplace, onto the streets afresh. It's like he's, He's restoring um, the essence uh, of, the, of the Great Commission, the essence of just essential obedience to, to, pre, to tell the gospel, to minister deliverance, and to heal. And I think, I think we're watching this in our, happen in our congregation. Ever since we went through the gospel tool together, we've got a renewed desire to be, to be faithful witnesses to Jesus. We're um, growing as those who are equipped to lead others to him, to minister the gospel to minister forgiveness, but also to work in the power and the authority of Jesus to pray for healing and to pray against and deliver people from evil. And so I want to um, close with this, this question. As we enter this season and, and grow as uh, those who minister the reconciliation and the restoration that come through Jesus, what does each of us personally need to grow as Jesus' co-workers. Do we need more of the training that Jesus' disciples received as they watched him do these things? You know, I was able to pray that way in my office because I watched Derek's mom pray. I observed a, a spirit-filled woman of prayer who had experience ministering Jesus' forgiveness and healing and deliverance, do so. I had a model. And, and so I was en- enabled by the modeling of others to do that. Do some of you 
Is, is that what some of you need? I need a model to watch. I need somebody to follow. I need a context to be in where I can see Jesus doing these things through people and grow by watching. Do I need the empowering that Jesus' disciples received as he baptized them with the Holy Spirit and power? The baptism or the empowering of the Holy Spirit is essential for being willing and enabled to step into these situations and speak words of truth and bring the authority that is in Jesus to stand against evil. Without experiencing that, we won't step into certain situations. We won't go out onto the streets. So do some of us need to say, Jesus, I need your empowering. I need you to immerse me in the power and the courage that come from your spirit. Do, do we or do I need a keener discernment of spirits to better and more clearly understand what's motivating my own and others' words and thoughts and actions. Some of us are quick to give credit to the Holy Spirit for things like joy and peace and patience, and we ought to. But when it comes to the opposite fruit of anger, lust, greed, jealousy, we want to blame it all on our old nature that died with Jesus. And some of it, some of it could be the flesh, that still needs to be put to death even as it died with Jesus. But not all of it is rooted there. Some of us may need deliverance. And so that leads my, my next question. Do we perhaps need deliverance from an, you could say evil, but the, you can also translate it unclean. Just unclean spirit. Maybe you've listened to this message and you thought, I wonder if the source of my persistent fear, my nightmares, my doubt, my mind battles, my sensitivity to rejection, my anger, or my other things, might be rooted in pressure that comes from an evil spirit. Friends, experiencing the ministry of Jesus helps us to share the ministry of Jesus. I think we all saw it in Jackie. She's standing up here bubbling over because Jesus set her free from something she'd long experienced but didn't know where it was rooted. And and you said to us, I can't help now. I, I, I couldn't help. But I just I just found praise bubbling up in me, right? Peter could preach about forgiveness because he fell on his face 
and Jesus lifted him up. Mary could share about deliverance because Jesus rescued Mary from sexual sin and demonic oppression. Seven spirits, says the Gospels. Jesus died. God himself, the Son of God, died to bring each one of us full and complete restoration, full cleansing, full deliverance from evil. He says, I came that you may have life to the full. And he does not want us to settle for less than he died to purchase us. Because when we settle for ourselves, we also become disempowered or unequipped to then minister it to others. Okay? So as we come to the table this morning, and Pastor Gene, I'm just going to invite you to come join me up here and we'll transition right into communion. Um, The Lord is present. He's here. The scripture says that he is he performs his word. He does it. Now, I've just proclaimed to you, Jesus cleanses, Jesus delivers. And as you've been listening, if you feel like I need fresh cleansing, there's something on me that's heavy or something that's unconfessed. I need to cleanse it. Hey, Now is the time. Or I need deliverance. I need Jesus to set me free in an area. Today, this morning, is the time. As we come to this table, we come to Jesus.